Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Today, I want to minister. Uh, I'm so glad I talked with my, my younger son uh, before I Hallelujah. I, I, something was stirring in my heart. And uh, I was talking to a pastor in Baltimore, I think it was Thursday or Friday, whatever day. And we talked extensively and he went on and on and on and had some real serious questions just about where we were or where we are uh, as, a, as a body of Christ and the world in general. And, and he brought out some really uh, thought provoking uh, points. And we got to the end of our, our fellowship on the phone after about an hour. And that's very unusual for me to be on the phone that long. I'm not much of a phone person. But uh, the conversation was so stimulating and so right on. And uh, he, he, said, uh, he said, you know, Pastor How, Bishop Howe, he said, he said, where are we? And I went on to make some commentary. And he got real excited. And uh, then I talked with another pastor, another minister in Georgia to kind of get some, some, uh, some counsels to get their perspective. And, and out of that, all, that, whole, that whole situation, I began to put some things together and uh, just stayed up in my library for hours and hours and hours, just allowing God to speak to me. Because I think we're living in a time, as you've heard me say in messages gone by, that this is not a season or a time for a preacher to be ministering stale bread. We, we need every service now, we need a fresh loaf. We need something that had just come out of the oven that is sitting on the counter and still steaming. As a matter of fact, when it's a fresh loaf of bread and it's still steaming it's easy to cut and so from this whole this whole dialogue um, I, 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 this message was just birthed in my heart and so the title of the message today is are we there yet are we there yet and I, I know many of you tuned in I've been dealing with you know how to be led by the Holy Spirit and it's been so exciting but as a result of things that are going on and stuff that we, we're witnessing and hearing and, and my dialogue with these great leaders, I felt to disengage from that. We'll get back to it Wednesday on how to be led by the Holy Spirit. But, but today, I wanted to deliver to you this fresh loaf of bread. And it is called, Are We There Yet? Now, many, several years ago, they had a movie and uh, I thought it was Cedric the Entertainer who was the star. I, I've met him before. Uh, and, but in talking to my youngest son, I come to find out it wasn't Cedric the Entertainer who was the star of that movie uh, where they talked about are we there yet. It was, it was, uh, it was Ice, Ice Cube. Yeah, Cube Ice, Ice Cube, whatever his name is. You all know what I'm talking about. And... Uh, in the movie, it's been a while, but in the movie, they were going from one place to another place. And 
after they were driving for a while, the kids would say periodically, are we there yet? And maybe if you have a family, you certainly have experience that I know I have going down the road. I think I was going to take my kids to Canada. We we're all in the van and I'm driving, I'm driving and I'm driving and, you know, not even to Chicago yet. The kids say, are we there yet, dad? And, and I would say, no, we're not there. Just, you know, just, just be quiet and ride. And then, you know, I'd ride for a little while longer. <coughs> and uh, another one of the kids, you know, I have a boatload of children, five sons and a daughter. Another one would be bold enough to say, hey, Dad, are we there yet? And I said, uh, like I told your brother, uh, we're not there yet. We still got a ways to go. And then we would drive for another 100 miles or so, and somebody would say, are we there yet? And I thought to myself, with everything that's going on in the world and people have been saying Jesus is coming and so I came up with this title of this message are we there yet a minister and I in our in our fellowship as I said the other day in one of the particular states not in Missouri but in another state we were we were talking about this conference that uh, that they're going to be holding. And uh, the conference, I forget exactly what the title and the emphasis of the of the conference. But it's, it is the, the, the sponsor of the conference is is a man. And his wife is a man. And some of the people who are dressed up like females, which were men, they were some of the keynote speakers at this conference. And that's not my point. I'm not going to labor on that, but I do want my listeners to know that just because you put on a dress doesn't make you a woman. Are you listening? And just because a woman put on pants doesn't make her a man. Uh, your womanness and your, if there's such a word, and your manliness was determined by God. And when we all came out of our mother's womb, God was not confused as to what he wanted. Are you listening to me? And so... Uh, uh, we're living in a time and a day now, and I shared with you a, a, a service prior about the, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. He said that in the last days, people will call wrong right, and they will call right wrong. And so these people are going to be gathering together. They're going to have praise and worship, and they're going to perhaps open up the Bible or whatever they're going to do. And I thought to myself, and I was talking with this other minister, we was bouncing it back and forth. And I said to him, he, he asked me a question. And I said to him that obviously God has allowed a strong spirit of delusion to come over. This rebellious generation. 
to where now they can do things and and have no thought, no thought about if it's right or wrong. So there has to be major deception for people to gather together under an umbrella saying that they're going to be worshiping and praising God, yet they're denying the way God made them. And so I thought to myself, are we there yet? Are we at a place now where Jesus Christ is soon to come? I've been hearing this all of my life as a little boy and now as a grown man, people will periodically say Jesus is coming. Well, when is he coming? Put up my first, uh, my first nugget, please. I, I won't be long. Ready? Let's read together. What we see today is not a sign of the end of the age. Now, some translations will say the end of the world, but I like the translation that says the end of the age because there will never be an end to the world. Uh, nugget number two, please. What we see today is just the beginning of sorrows. Over a, over a half a million people have died of COVID-19. More people have died in the United States of COVID-19 than World War I, World War II, and the Vietnam War, all the deaths combined. That to give you a picture of the magnitude. And yet, you know, we rejoice over the fact today that not many... Not as many people are dying today because of the, the vaccines, etc. But people are still dying from COVID-19. Uh, we have improved. I, I mean, if you're losing 2,000 people a day in your city and, and you're losing, you know, 1,900, that's, a, that's an improvement, yes. But it's still devastating. And so even though some things they're saying that uh, it's leveling out, uh, and some communities seem like it's on a, a downturn, but people in those cities are still dying from COVID-19. And I'm not a bearer of bad news today, but I'm going to speak truth to you. Because once we get victory over COVID-19, according to the word of God, it is going to be something else. Because according to the word of God, this is the beginning of sorrow. And here's the thing. The word of God says, if my people who are called by my name, if they would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, we want to pray, but we don't want to turn from wickedness. He said, then I will hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. See, see we don't, we don't, we don't want to stop doing what's causing, you know, people to get AIDS. We just want a cure for it so we can keep doing it. And in the eyes of God, the cure for any sickness and disease is to stop doing what's causing it. Are you, are you, are you all listening to me? Uh, give me nugget number three. I think I have three nuggets today that I wanted to share. This is so, this is vitally important. The Bible divides the world today. 
into what? It divides them into what? It divides people into three groups. The Bible, your Bible, it divides the world today into three groups. It's so important that you understand these truths. That the Bible speaks clearly to three groups of people. And you'll get in trouble when you take a passage of scripture out that, and you're saying that it's speaking to you and you're not in that group. The Bible specifically speaks to the Jews. The Bible specifically speaks to the Gentiles. And the Bible specifically speaks to the church of God, the Christian, the born again child of God. Now, there are three groups of people that the Bible speaks to. The Bible speaks to the Jews. There are things in the Bible that speak specifically to Jews. There are things in the Bible that speaks specifically to Gentiles. And there are things in the Bible that speaks specifically to people of God, to the church, to the Christian. This day and time in which we're living now, God is calling out people out of the group of the Jews. He's calling people unto himself out of the group of the Gentiles. And out of those two groups, God is making another group that is set apart for himself, which are the people of God. And at the rapture, it is the people from that third group that are going to be caught up in the rapture. It won't be the Gentile. It will not be the Jew. It will be the person that God called out from the Jew, from the Gentile, and made them and birthed them, the new birth, into the family of God. They are the ones that are going to be raptured. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. When that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ will rise, it's going to be people out of this third group that are going to be raptured out of here. Not a Jew, not a Gentile, but a blood-washed, blood-bought child of God. The person who has believed in their hearts, confessed this with their mouths, the Lord Jesus Christ. God is going to call them home, and that's good news for those of us who are people of Almighty God. If you will go ahead and put up my graph, I'm going to try to backdoor this with the time that I have left. If they could so graciously put that up, I would appreciate it. Do they have it ready? Uh, can you all see that? Can, can you see that? Can, can you see it? Well, those of you who are watching, uh, go ahead and do whatever you need to do to get that information. Take a picture, take, you know, on your iPhone, snap it or something. I want you to have it uh, because this is going to help you in the journey that we're about to take. Now, this message today, uh, even though it has a certain measure of eschatology to it, I'm really not majoring on eschatology. But what I'm really trying to do today is try to help you and I to see if we are, in fact, if we're there yet so that we can see where we are. If we're going to leave here and go to St. Louis, which is about three and a half hours away, I want you to be able to see 
uh, where you are and how close you are to our destination. And so this graph that I've given you today, um, uh, it, will, it will help you about the Olivet Discourse. It will, it will help you to see where we are right now today and see where you are in that equation. Now, having said that, let's turn to the first synoptic gospel. The first synoptic gospel. Chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Let's turn there. Matthew. Chapter 24. May not be any shouting today, but uh, I, w I want you to learn. I want you to just find out if, you know, are we there yet? As a matter of fact, say that with me. Are we there yet? Yeah. If, if, if you're in your living room or dining room and y'all gathered together around the word of God, turn to somebody in your house, uh, even if it's a six-month-old baby, go over by the crib and say, are we there yet? Yeah. Are, are, are we there yet? And we're going to be saying that several on several occasions because we want to know where we are. Are you in Matthew chapter 24? Look at this. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the building of the temple. The disciples came up to Jesus and said, look, 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 man, look how magnificent this temple is. Now we know from, from, from historical facts that Herod uh, was the one that was building the temple. It was beautiful. It wasn't finished, but he was, he was behind uh, the motivator in this temple being built and it was being built uh, with white rock, big old huge stones of white rock, just magnificent. And so get a picture of this. The disciples uh, are with Jesus and, and they're, they're giving Jesus really a tour of the temple. Oh, God, they're, they're giving Jesus a tour of the temple, not realizing that Jesus is the temple. But, but let's, let's go on. And his disciples came up to show him the building of the temple. They're, the disciples are excited. Like, they, you know, they think they're impressing Jesus. Like, like, look at this. Isn't it magnificent? I mean, look at the stained glass. Look, I mean, look at all the money. I mean, this is, I mean, there's nothing like it in, in the known world. And, and let's go to verse two. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? That's a good question for us today, isn't it? With everything that's going on in the world, can you see? Ooh, Jesus. And what will be the sign? Look what the disciple says. He said, he said, they said, Surely I say unto you, not one stone shall be left upon, verse 2, another. Look what Jesus says. Get a picture now. The disciples are just simply overjoyed and overwhelmed over this temple. It's magnificent. It's huge. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And it's not even finished. And they're giving Jesus a tour. Are, are, you, are you following me? And Jesus says to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now the disciples are just flat out, uh, they're, they're just lost. First of all, his comment 
about the temple didn't make sense to him. Now Jesus saying, not one stone will be left upon another stone. Can you imagine how confused the disciples were at this point? He's saying not one stone will be. Look how massive these stones are building this temple. Let's move on. Or surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, uh, tell us. Can, can, can you see this? They eased up on Jesus, made sure nobody was around because they didn't want other people to know, uh, you know, that they didn't know something. So they moved real close to Jesus and, and they, 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 said, they said, Jesus, uh, tell us when these things, when these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no one deceives you. You've never seen so much deception in all your life today. Those people who will be gathering at that meeting I mentioned early on, they're in major deception. They're going to gather and think God is going to approve of that meeting with them taking the position that they've taken. Look what it says. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. So there's going to be an increase of people in the world purporting that they're the sent one, that they're Jesus Christ. we got a lot of them now, but we're going to have more. And we'll deceive me. Look at this. They're not only going to come and say that they're the Christ, but the Bible says they're going to deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be famines. There will be famines. We're already experiencing famines. But there's going to be such a shortage of food in the world. As a matter of fact, they're working on in laboratories now trying to create artificial food because we have over 7 billion People on the planet. Oh, Jesus. What verse did I stop at? Verse number seven. There will be famines and pestilence. And look at this. And earthquakes in various places. I mean, it seems like every other day we're hearing about an earthquake in some of the strangest places. Let's look at verse number eight. All these are the big what? All these are the beginning, are the beginning of sorrows. So what we see today is not signs of the end of the age. What we see today is just the beginning of sorrow. And this plague, uh, COVID-19, I mean, just think about the magnitude of sorrow that was unleashed on families, not just in America, where we talk about over half a million, but all around the world, millions upon millions upon millions of people have been infected by COVID-19. Many have not died, but they're still infected. Are you listening? 
And Jesus said that these things that we're witnessing are just signs of the beginning of sorrow. These are the beginnings of sorrow. Now, Matthew chapter 24, that'll go along with your graph, and Matthew chapter 25 are known, Matthew 24, Matthew chapter 25 are known as the Olivet Discourse, uh, which constitutes the last of the three major discourses in the gospel. I want you to look at verse number two, and maybe we won't get any further than this, but look at Matthew 24, verse two. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be, be thrown down. Now, I'm going to have to say this, is that what I'm ministering to you today is not milk. This is, this is a little meat, so you, you, you got to pay attention. And notice in verse 2, Jesus said, do you not see? Look at everything that's going on in our world. And Jesus is saying to us, do you not see all these things in our contemporary fast moving society? This is a great question for you and I today to consider with everything that's going on in the world. Can you see what is really happening? I'll say this. If you could really see what was really going on in the world today, you would run to the altar of God and get saved because you would know that you don't have much time left to get right with God. And so if you're listening to me right now and you're not saved, Jesus is not your savior. He's not Lord of your life. I'm telling you, if you're a backslider, amen, put on the brakes in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's a 911. You need to get right with God. Can't you see? Can't you see that these are the beginnings of sorrows, which is a sign that we're coming closer to the end of the age? Oh, Jesus. So the disciples in Matthew 24, as we've just read, well, maybe it'd be good if I share this with you again. Uh, look at uh, verse number three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the Olive Discord, the disciples came to him privately. They came to him how? They came to him privately. And they said, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? So the disciples came to Jesus, Matthew 24, verse 3, and they asked him three questions. Three questions. I don't have time to get into it right now, but, but in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus only answers two of their questions. And amazingly, when Jesus responded or answered their question, he answered their last question first. And he answered their second question last. And not only that, but the gospel of Matthew chapter 24, it doesn't address, but only two of the questions answered that Jesus responded to their three questions. Is anybody with me this morning? What shall be the sign of thy coming 
When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of the end of the age? And I've already shared with you that your translation, your Bible, it may say world, but the world will never come to an end. The world will never come to an end. The world will never come to an end. God is just when when Jesus comes, he's going to create a, a, a new world order, a new world. In other words, I'm saying God created the world and man is not bad enough to destroy what God made. And you got a lot of folks running around talking about if man don't change, if he don't stop polluting, if he don't stop doing it, he's going to destroy the earth. You won't be able to destroy. You'll destroy yourself, but you won't destroy the world. God created the world and he created the world before he created us. Oh, God. Say this with me. Are we there yet? The Lord answers their three questions. When Jesus Christ speaks of his coming in verse number three, he is referring to his return to the earth to establish his kingdom. That's another one why uh, uh, the gospel of Matthew only addresses two of the three questions. He could not deal with uh, 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 One of the questions out of the three, simply because the gospel of Matthew, its major focus is on the kingdom of God. That's a whole nother thing. I don't even want to go there with you. But notice here in verse number in verse number three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of. Of the age. Oh, my goodness. Here's the amazing thing. And we're going to see this. Well, look at verse number. uh, Verse number eight again. All these are the beginnings of what? In verse 24, I mean, chapter 24, verse eight. And all and all these are what? The beginning of sorrow. Now, look at verse number nine. Jesus. Then they will deliver you up to what? Come on, talk to me, class. To tribulation. And kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now, the key word here in verse number nine is tribulation. Because I believe that verse number nine, the church is gone. Because from my study, it is not a requirement of God for the church to go through tribulation. So where verse number eight ends and we're called out of this world. Then verse number nine comes into play and it talks about the tribulation. Look what it says. And then many will be offended. And will be betrayed one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Well, I want you to know, child of God, that when the Bible talks 
about then there will be delivered you up to tribulation and he goes on and on and many will be offended and they will betray one another and they will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I'm here to tell you these paths of scriptures, you and I will not be in the earth. We would have been called out of here. Glory to God. So when real hell breaks loose on the earth, the church is going to be gone. Oh, that's good news. You think it's hell now? You haven't seen hell until the church is called out. Good God of mercy. Somebody ought to get happy. I said somebody ought to get happy. Somebody say, are we there yet? And so in Luke chapter 17, it talks about the moral sign. It's describing the days just before his coming. Jesus likened them to the conditions that existed in the days of Lot just before the destruction of Sodom. And Sodom just simply means unspeakable debauchery. And we're seeing all kinds of, all kinds of things today. I mean, we're seeing all kind of filth today. But when the church is called out of here, there won't be anything in the earth to stay the hand of the evil one. And I'm telling you, if you think it's bad now, it's going to be so much worse when the church is gone. But thank God when the church is called up, hallelujah, I'm going to be caught up with the church. Glory to God. I don't want to be here. Look at Ezekiel because he described conditions of Sodom in Ezekiel 16. And and I'm going to wrap it up here. Ezekiel 16. You're going to see something. One preacher uh, said, he said, if if God, if, if God doesn't judge America, that God would have to repent for what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because everything that you read in the Bible that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, we're seeing it today. I'm thinking about this meeting they're supposed to have, and I don't even want to name the state or the city, that they're supposed to be having this meeting of, 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 of these, these homosexuals, or, or let me put it another way, these men who think that they're women, these men who are acting acting like women, trying to act like a woman, and putting on female clothes. Um, man, I mean, it, 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 was, it was, well, look at, look at Ezekiel. Look at Ezekiel 16. Let, let the word speak for itself. Look. Is that what your Bible says, verse 49? Does it say look? Well, look. This was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Notice what you see here. These are the conditions. And I want you to see that the same Conditions that Ezekiel describes of the conditions in Sodom. I want you to decipher. Do you see some of those same conditions in our world today? 
even our country. Ezekiel said the conditions, the things that were going on in Sodom is that they were full of pride. They had fullness of bread. I mean, uh, in a, particularly in America, we have supermarkets. We may have three supermarkets on the same block. I mean, just, you know, and then convenience stores. And if you don't want to go to a supermarket or convenience store, you can go to a gas station and get milk, eggs, and bread. I mean, we have fullness of bread and abundance of idleness. Particularly with this COVID-19 situation, I mean, everybody can agree. I mean, we've had a whole lot of time uh, just filling our thumbs, trying to find out, you know, what we can do. I mean, you can't clean the house, but so many times. You can't wash the dishes, you know, but so many times. I mean, you know, we're walking around the living room, walking to the other room, you know, trying to see what you can do. Some of you are out in your yard, just, you know, trying to do something with your time. And another thing that went on in Sodom. They did not strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And I'm amazed with our Congress and certainly with our senators and how they're debating about this, uh, what do they call it? This stimulus package where, where they're saying it's too much money to help the needy and the poor. And yet they'll sign off on trillions of dollars for the military and we're not even at war with anybody. So, so we already have the best army in the world and we're still not satisfied. And, and not only that, we assign more money every year to the military. Year after year, the budget goes higher. And if we would just be willing, if we would just be broken enough, if we would come off our pride for high horse and just cut the military budget in half for one year and designate it to people who need help. And then you play these games and people buy these lies where people uh, will think that, that, that welfare is breaking the bank in America. Listen to me. The welfare system is not breaking the bank in the United States of America. It's just a matter of priorities. And just like in Sodom, it's in America. We don't mind spending money for anything, but we, we struggle with spending money to help the poor and help the needy. And Sodom was the same way. And so I'm not saying he's all right, but I thank God that President Biden have enough compassion in his heart where he's desiring to do something for the needy. Yeah, you made it and we know you're going to be all right. But Jesus Christ, he didn't just die for you. He died for the man and the woman under the bridge. He didn't just die for the person who living in a house with a, in a gated community. He died for people who are living in a shack. Jesus is concerned about everybody. God is concerned about people going to bed hungry. God is concerned about people who don't have adequate supply of clothing and other needs. He's concerned and he addresses it through his people. And when his people close their bowels, God said, woe be to any person when they close their bowels to the poor. 
And so we, we ought to rejoice that President Biden is at least trying to help the poor. He's trying to help the needy. And instead of fighting him, we need to get behind that policy because that policy is at the very heart of Almighty God. And I close with this. Because you haven't always been on the higher hog like you want it now. But somebody helped you. I know you're trying to act like you don't know anything today because you, you know, you're educated and you got sophisticated and you got on some good threads and all of that. But, but some of you still remember what gov- government cheese tastes like. Some of you still remember what that potted me standing in line trying to get it. And let's not make fun of it because that got a whole lot of people through. We don't need it today, but it got us through when we needed it. And now that we've got to a place where we don't need it, we don't need to close our bowels to the people who still need it. Oh, Jesus. Is this helping anybody at all? And notice in Sodom that they were haughty and they committed an abomination before the Lord. And I believe personally one of the great sins of America is this sin that is wrong in the sight of God. But because of the pressure of this modern day culture, the church is backing away and being silent or at least being soft on this filth, this I I recant on it, this abomination that God says that it stinks in his nostrils. Are are you all with me today? And so Jesus said in Matthew 24, particularly verse one through eight, that when we see all of these things that are happening, there are earthquakes in diverse places. I mean, all kinds of things are happening. It's cold in places where it used to be hot. It's hot in places where it used to be cold. Uh, here in Kansas City, we got beautiful weather. But I mean, tomorrow, man, I, I mean, we may need a coat. I mean, Brian Busby, I mean, he's a good meteorologist, but, but man, he don't know. He's just guessing. I mean, weather can just change like that, especially in the Midwest. I mean, we really just don't know. And as blessed as we are, there are still millions of people who are hurting and dying of hunger and dying of, of thirst all around the planet. And is it God's will that just a small group of people have so much? And some people have so little or nothing at all. And if we would just embrace the heart of God and the compassion of God, we can feed everybody on the planet. If we would just stop being so greedy. If we would just stop being so, so, uh, so committed and gun hole about more money. Are you, are, are you with me today? We don't need to, America, we don't need to build bigger barns. We've got so much. The Bible says that the farmer had such a bumper crop that, that he looked at all of what he had and, and, and he tore down his old barns. And the Bible says he built new barns. He was a rich man. 
And he, he tore down his old barn and he built new barns so he could put all of his prosperity. Listen to me. At some point, your prosperity is not for you. It's for others. And here's the thing. When you die, you won't be able to, you heard me say this. I, I, did, I don't know the Arthur and I just heard the song. When the guy said, he said, when I die, put my stuff in the grave. Uh, is that how it goes? He said, when I die, he, come on, don't y'all play with me like that. He, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, nobody here listened to one of those. Okay, all right. But at any rate, the song said, part of the song said, he said, when I die, put my money in the grave. And I thought to myself, when you die, you ain't going to know what they put in the grave. And if I find out they put your money in the grave, I'm going to find out where your grave is. And at midnight, I'm going to tip into the grave by myself with a shovel. And take out of your casket what you couldn't take wherever you went, whether it's up or down. I'm just simply saying that as it was in the days of Sodom, Ezekiel said, And when we look at our world today, we're in that same condition. And Jesus said that this, look look at this, in Matthew 24, verse number 8. He says, he said, and these are the beginnings of sorrow. And then the next verse, verse number 9, it goes into tribulation. Good news. If you're born again. If you're a child of God, verse number nine doesn't apply to you because you're going to be a part of God's family, God's church. And before we go into tribulation, I believe based upon the word of God that the church is going to be called out. I believe that that event is soon to come. Wow. What an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.